Hello and welcome to the Oddcast, Ireland's musical theatre podcast. My name is Keen O'Dowd and you are listening to the show that brings you the latest news and opinion on all things musical theatre. Not just on Broadway and the West End, but from right across the Irish musical theatre scene. We have a great show lined up for you today as we look forward to the upcoming Digital Aims Awards, as well as word on new shows opening on Broadway. We are joined on the show today by Vinnie Osborne of the Sound and Music Company and producer of the Ames Awards, who will take us through this year's online offering. We will also be speaking to West End legend Rebecca Storm on her incredible career. But before all that, let me introduce you to my co-hosts, the impeccable Daniel Ryan and Adam Trundle. You've saved yourself with, with, with the adjective this time because i was about to say why is your name first why do you you know why can't you just say hello i'm here with adam trundle and dan ryan and my name is keynote out i i just feel like we should take turns having our name first <laughs> you're doing you're doing this now is, you're doing this, this is the now. time you want to bring this up really yeah yeah, yeah. we have two hours of pre-show yeah. and we have and a you're production like, you're, and you're now waiting we have a production meeting every other thursday and you're doing this <laughs> yeah. now it just felt right to you know, get it out. <laughs> he, he's he's just hoping that the listener is going to email in in support of yeah. Adam. Do you know no, what, what this show needs is more Adam. Yeah, you know, no, I, do you know what it is? Also, it's, I don't it's... know why they're from Brooklyn, but yeah. Yeah, I think it's yeah, exactly is... what we need, though, in the run up to an award show is a bit of award show beef. Yeah, that is true. Need. Need yeah, we, we, yeah, we're coming up to aim, so we need to, I don't know, foster a sense of enmity between you and me. Yeah, it just really it'll heighten the tension on the night. Yeah. Just, just engender a feud. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Out of, I don't know. Yeah. Just a beef is like Dan. When you tell Key and that, I'm not talking to <laughs> anymore. I'm not, I will be the go-between. I'll be texting the two of you. I, okay, yeah. Adam said. Adam this says, you. "How do you want to respond?" <laughs> and exactly. then, and then you interpret and relay it in the most offensive oh, yeah. way possible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. take it and, like so instead of calming it, and make it, it way more. Okay, oh, Virginia yeah. George, that shit. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> make it even worse. I was like, well, he said, but I don't think he means it. Like I don't that. think he means it. He's not sorry. He I not know sorry. he's not I sorry. I can tell he's not sorry because he said it to me. It was the tone of the message <laughs> that I read. I heard it in his voice, even though we're texting. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, I am, um, despite all of that, um, I'm glad that we're back together after yes. about a month off. Yeah, you could call it a holiday, I guess, but I mean, like, it's no secret that we're in Kildare, so... I hope everybody else in, in all the other counties enjoyed their staycations and stuff, but yeah. we sat here taking one for the team. Well, putting yeah. the stay in staycation. Yeah, but in all seriousness, you and I, Adam, are taking some exams, so we, yes, have to, yeah. we have to take some time away from our first love. Work. <laughs> <laughs> I... I don't, think, I don't think nerd. I don't think your employers are listening. I don't think you have to suggest for legal that. reasons. For legal reasons, I just. Well, I didn't know what you meant by some time away because I was like, yeah, yeah. I took a week off to do some exams. Like you know, from, from the, the podcast. Obviously, the oddcast. Obviously, oh, I was leading up to the line that Always the the oddcast is your first love. <laughs> Only love. And Sorry. to think, you want your name to be top of the billing. Mm. Yeah. Really. Yeah. Yeah. This is fair. Is yeah, <laughs> it it is a weird experience doing exams online, though. I don't know about yours yeah. in terms of the invigilation. Well, yeah, because I did um, I did this remote invigilation thing where we sat down and obviously, like, we had a system that we had to log into, but then an invigilator who you couldn't see would speak to you, and they oh. would they would speak to you through oh, your yeah. You couldn't be wearing headphones or anything, so you had to have your like computer oh, speakers, and they creepy. would speak to you and say okay, we go through the ritual. So you have your webcam and they get you, take your webcam, pan all around the room, show all around under your desk, the whole shebang. And then 
you empty your pockets in front of them <sighs> and hold the camera up to show that you've nothing in your show pockets. them your bribe <laughs> 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 the, a 50 euro note will not fit through the camera i tried but uh that's really creepy that, that you feels a bit see them. seedy i don't know it's just why just, weird just why like watching. voicelessly watching is better uh, yeah actually because that's true i don't know if anyone was actually actively <laughs> watching me while i took the exam again yeah. i logged it was just the, the knowledge that you could be seen was keeping you in line yeah i had to do a full 360 view of the room with the webcam and but no one the, told you to do that well the computer did it said oh text yeah told some you text told you yeah, yeah. Oh. and this and is like an episode of black mirror it's a bit weird so and the yeah, webcam no, was on throughout and they could see what was on my screen yeah. throughout so i couldn't have you know like google open on another it tab. is it is sort of huxley and brave new world type uh stuff going mm-hmm. on mm-hmm. Strange. yes mm-hmm. definitely good old-fashioned orwellian 1984 is that a more yes that's yeah much okay, more okay. Powerful that's a <laughs> Nerds. <laughs> um, Dystopian future novels, both very popular. Yeah, at least I had the privilege of doing my exams without, um, you know, being under the influence of, of some severe pain medication, which I believe was not the case for for some of our other. Yeah, people. it's it's one of the pitfalls of getting into your thirties uh, <laughs> that you you start to experience pain. So yeah, I put my back out by sitting wrong. <laughs> That's how I did it. I sat wrong so while studying in a draft. and I put my back out. <laughs> oh, in a draft. Yeah. In a draft <laughs> I'd be, without I'd be sitting on. on a cold floor. <laughs> didn't have your hot water bottle. Yeah. <laughs> but then, yeah, to make, to make matters worse, I actually burnt my back on a hot water bottle. Oh, Christ. <laughs> like it's, yeah, it's like, you, you can imagine the ignominy of the kind of the uh, old man yeah. syndrome that I was feeling by putting my back out for sitting wrong, but then I burnt it on a hot water bottle. I'm trying to give myself <laughs> so some you're like, your body is just like, stop being such a little bitch all the time. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Man like, up. Yeah. Well, to, mm, be, to be fair. Ham. Peop- <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Something's cooking. <laughs> oh, it's, it's me. Oh, God, it's me. It's me. <laughs> yeah. And I'm sure I don't taste delicious. No, but uh, you didn't need to agree so quickly. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, well, I mean, I wanted, like, I might try and, you know, bring this podcast back on track. No, I, I want to bring it off track again. I was about to say undirail, but I feel like... <laughs> undirail. <laughs> let's that's, un- like the ra- that's, that's the rail where you keep all the undies un- in the store. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have an undirail in your you, house? I don't, no, I don't have an undirail. I derail. fold I just, my... I just, have, I, just, I just have it like a drawer. <laughs> yeah. it's a very fancy drawer actually it's like from ikea your, your like, underwear drawer yeah oh it's like in like in part of the wardrobe and it rolls out on like like little tracks like a dishwasher but so fancy. like a drawer <laughs> it's just real fancy yeah real fancy <laughs> not like, a, not like a it's just like a dishwasher it's like it's like a melee or a whirlpool dishwasher <laughs> real, fa- real fancy <laughs> not like that zanussi bullshit oh no please have some self-respect i know <laughs> Oh. And that that's how we that's how we discern whether something is fancy. It's on rails like a dishwasher. Yeah. <laughs> if it's on runners like a dishwasher, you know you're on a winner. Uh-huh. I feel like we're not addressing the well not elephant in the room, but she is in the room. She is in the room. So we are we are actually oh, no. joined in recording the podcast by my brand new dog, Maisie. She is very long. She could she's nearly as tall as a human. She's nearly as tall as a human. She is a greyhound. Mm-hmm. She's seven years old. She is an ex racer. So she ran 52 races. Nice. And yeah, so she's finished up with her career in racing and breeding future racers. And she has now come to 
live with us. There are a huge number of greyhounds put up for adoption every year, so massively yes. more than than any other dog. So I think a lot of them find homes abroad. A lot of them are adopted actually by people in Scandinavia and Germany and the United States and that because I think people are sort of hesitant about adopting a greyhound in Ireland. But actually, like, the preconception is that they're going to be... Because you tend to see them with muzzles on and you know them from racing. It does give them a very Hannibal Lecter vibe. It does give them Hannibal Lecter. (laughs) But, like, honestly, they are the most placid dog imaginable. She is so sweet. She's so quiet. So quiet. They don't bark. And the other thing about them is that people have preconceptions like they need a lot of exercise. They absolutely don't. They are couch potatoes. They sleep 20, 21 hours a day. You take them for... Like, they will they will be fine, honestly, with a half an hour walk in the day. Now, we give her two walks in the day, but like you, she would be fine with a half hour walk. They are not interested in exercise. They're sprinters. They're not up for long distance or stamina or anything. She just wants to sleep. So uh, if you are thinking about bringing a pet into your home, consider adopting an X-Racing Greyhound. I mean, they're great for podcasts, too. She, I mean, there's no she, yapping, no barking. No yapping, no she barking. She's hand out right now. She's she perfect, is. perfect podcast dog. So apart from my new adventures into the world of pet ownership, we may as well bring this back on track into musical yes. theatre because we have a very exciting couple of weeks ahead for Absolutely. Irish musical theatre in particular because quite a lot has been going on, Adam. Yes, yeah, Ames... If anyone follows Ames on Facebook mm. or, or, or on Twitter or any of those social channels would have seen a flurry of activity. So um, I suppose the first thing is is that the adjudicators for the 2019-2020 season have stepped down. Mm. So that is Billy Ray, Tony McLean, Faye and Noel Dundon, who was the programme adjudicator mm. for quite some time. So, you know, like I suppose a massive thanks to them and yes. congratulations. It, it, it's a great honor to be selected as the adjudicators and particularly Noah for having done it for so many years. Yeah. You know, it's it's a real credit. So so congratulations to them and, and many thanks. And we have exciting news that, that there are new adjudicators have been announced. Mm. Now, you kind of wonder, are are they going to be doing a lot of adjudicating this year? And I wouldn't expect that they will be, considering it's not that likely there'll be too many shows not happening. That, not that likely at it, all. It, it just doesn't seem like, you know, like we're seeing lots of societies this side of Christmas who are now announcing their cancellations. Yeah. And a couple of them have started to pull the plug for shows. A post-Christmas trim, for example, is is kind of the first one that I had seen that I think they're usually on stage in February. Yeah, 17th to 22nd this year they did Michael Collins. So yes, that's kind right. of middle, middle of February, but they are now gone. Yes, absolutely. And of course, they were nominated for Amy's Best Overall Show yeah. for that production. So, um, you know, they're obviously... I would say devastated to not to be able to keep the momentum going. Of course, um, yeah. Um, and it's crazy because you have all three of your Gilbert Best Overall nominees this year now. Cancelled. Cancelled yeah, for, yeah. for the next year, like, yeah. It's crazy. Yeah, it crazy is. Crazy that we're still going through this. Like. Well, they won't yeah. be on their own is the, is the only comfort they no. can take, I guess, is is, is that kind of everybody seems to be likely to be in the same boat. No, I th- think that's definitely true. And, and we're probably leaning towards moving away from the probability of no shows going ahead within the entire season into the inevitability yeah. of no shows going on in this season. Because even if you're on the very tail end of the season, you're on the very end of May. Yeah, late April, uh, May, like, yeah. You're still going to be rehearsing from January, February, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, in all likelihood, March, if, if you're insane and trying to get a show done yeah. in a very short span of time. And, you know, even then, 
like you have to cast it before then you have to book your sure, your yeah. professionals who are having a horrendous time at the minute your mm-hmm. your lighting yeah. engineers sound engineers uh, directors musicians choreographers and musical directors you know like, like their pipeline is is looking drastically different to what it was this time last year in terms of gigs mm. so like, no one wants to be booking people and giving them hope only to have to cancel it later and yeah and, yeah and like putting themselves in that precarious financial position as a society you only you know. want to put something together if you can be relatively sure that it's actually going to go ahead yeah and yeah. i don't see us being sure this side of christmas about anything in in, in the post christmas it's, it's hard to yeah. plan six months ahead at the minute because if we think back six months ago <laughs> i mean no it is and uh, look we've said it before that you and i dan we were on that kind of final week i finished up with new ross on the 7th of march and you finished up i think on the same day yep, yep with Athlone doing uh, Joseph but to think that we would be amongst the last people in the country who have to have performed a show yeah to do a full at, at run this, at this point when we're now in September yeah, is but it's it's funny even thinking back to then and being like if you told me like in the middle of that yeah. week in the middle of the run it's like well, you're going to be the last like full run full of the run show, of the show like, yeah out of here like it's just it's just crazy how things just changed so quickly and it's just crazy how long they've got on like it's yeah. just and and, 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 that and that you know we're, we don't there's no, no end it, in sight yeah exactly basically there really there's isn't. no end in sight there really isn't because you know, things are getting better air quotes yeah <laughs> I mean but we, yeah. we've gone to a point of stability stability but living with it and we talked back I think on one of our earlier episodes about that Thomas Poyo essay about the hammer and the dance and the idea that we, in living with it we would go from a little bit more freedom, then a flare-up, then a little less freedom. Absolutely. Yeah. And we would go in and out of various types of restrictions until we either had a vaccine or we got to herd immunity, that idea of 70 or 80% of the population having gotten the virus. Mm. If indeed immunity yeah. is garnered through having gotten it and a lasting immunity. But we will definitely be in that position until we get a vaccine it seems and there's certainly not a great hope of anything really becoming available at least on a population-wide level until the middle of next year at the earliest yeah i I would say that's what the predictions seem to be at the moment so we're very much in it for the long haul unfortunately this is true but i mean it's it's nice to take the little bit of good news where it comes so particularly Mm. for yeah for Suzanne O'Leary is is the adjudicator for Sullivan and Alan Haslett for Gilbert and then we also have Brian Gunning and John Graydon taking over as program adjudicator which is being split by Sullivan and Gilbert this year which for i think the first time yeah um so you know it's great news for them and hopefully they'll have something to go yeah. and look at at some point in, in the future because I'm, yeah. I'm sure there will be musicals again at some point it's going to happen they're, and, they're, absolutely and so we're all living a hope for yeah for and a huge congratulations obviously to all of the adjudicators mm-hmm. we hope that they yeah. have yes yeah. Some, something job. to adjudicate <laughs> yeah. in, in the near future it, it ain't an easy job and i suppose the other big bit of aims news then is that we have had the first few details announced mm. um, about the virtual aims award show that's going to be held on the 19th of september and to help us discover what's going to be involved on the night of the aims awards on the 19th it is our great honor to welcome vinnie osborne legendary sound engineer and aims empresario vinnie welcome to the show Ah, thanks for having me guys i've been listening to the podcast recently and i have to say i uh, really enjoyed them so well done everybody <laughs> 
Thank you oh, very much. Thank you very, very much. Glad to hear that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> So well, it's locked down. We've got nothing else to do. Yeah, so. well, that's, yeah, yeah, that yeah. is <laughs> most true. So come here to me. You have been very heavily involved in putting together what is no doubt going to be. Well, let's face it. It's it's a pretty challenging thing to take something that is normally a live show in Clarny in front of twelve hundred people and try to replicate all of the the pomp and the ceremony that that usually goes along with it. I mean, what's that been like? Uh, it's been very difficult as regards the actual award show itself actually not that much is different because right. we've been web we've been web streaming it for about 10 years anyway so it is technically a stage show mm. obviously a lot of happens on stage with the the 1250 in the audience or unfortunately we're missing that <laughs> uh, be a bit of a so shift in atmosphere yeah for sure yeah yeah so that's going to be difficult because like it's going to be like fergo walks out hello everybody and like there's just nothing yeah, yeah. Uh, and e- even where we're recording it well not recording where we're uh, performing it i suppose with mm. the word uh, all the techs are in different rooms so nearly the people on, on stage are literally in a room on their own um oh, with, a, with a stage manager and some camera people I was about sound to say is for- in one room lighting is in a different room visuals is in a different room and this is <laughs> all for social distancing yeah so that's why we went that's why we went with the venue that we are Mm. going with you know because they were kind of set up it's lock up live if you um look it up on facebook or any of the social media platforms they've they've done Keela, they've done the high kings mm. it's basically the dancing with the stars crew right uh, a guy called J- john vickers uh from sound design very very big audio company so he basically turned his warehouse into a film studio mm. but it was it was kind of just to give them something to do and all the dancing with the stars guys they all <laughs> kind of live out in this corner of Wicklow that we're going to. Right. Um, this is out so, near Kilcool, isn't it? This is out in Kilcool, yeah. yeah. So it's basically, it's, it's a warehouse. He's taken all his gear out, put all, put it into another warehouse <laughs> and turned this into a film studio. And they were kind of more or less doing it just for, for lockdown to give themselves something to do. And sure, if they made a few bob, they might make 20 or 30 quid a night. That's about all they'd make out of it. Yeah, all, yeah. They had was a, all they had was a donate button. So it, it was perfect for us because we can kind of walk in. We're not using all of his crew because we're still using our Ames crew that have been with us mm. for many, many years. Um, I think that's very important to have course, the same yeah. crew there because there's, there's that kind of vibe and flow to the show. So it's it, we're trying to keep it as similar as much as we can. We have changed a couple of things to make it a bit more exciting from, a, I suppose, a TV aspect as we've added a live band. Right. Um, Wow. We're going to have some performers. So we've we've always kind of had a musical society the last couple of years open it. Yeah. Obviously, we can't do that this year. Mm. I'm not going to tell you who any of the performers are. <laughs> Ooh, um, so you will have. No, they're, they're put it this way. They're all they're all names. Interesting. Uh, they're all names. They're all professional names. And so everybody watching will have heard of everybody. Okay. Um, so Fantastic. yeah, we, 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 well, that was kind of a directive from Rob Donnelly, the president, actually, as he said, Ames as an organization would like to try and give back. It's a small thing gesture from them, but they were very keen to try and give some professional today's work if they could. Yeah. And I thought that was an incredibly generous thing to do because again, they have no sponsor. So that's why it's, it is very important for anybody listening, please do buy a ticket, even if you're going to a house mm. party that has a ticket. Try and buy your own ticket as well, you know, just to support the event. Because there's no income this year. There's literally no income. There's no 1,250 seats yeah. being sold, you know. So that's very important. With Fergal Darcy, of course, is hosting. Uh, David Hayes is musical directing right. and Lovely. arranging. 
So, and we, I had another idea, if you guys are interested, I think it would be really cool if we had the Oddcast podcast guys live chatting throughout the event as <laughs> well. And I was just wondering <laughs> what? if wow. you guys will be up to that. I mean, I'll have uh, to check my diary. Uh, I'm not sure. If I... <laughs> no, yes. that sounds wow. fantastic. Oh my God. Oh my yes. gosh. Absolutely. Yes. Uh, I mean, like, yes. Yeah, well, unfortunately, unfortunately, unfortunately for the listeners, um, they'll also get to see you. Um, <laughs> the, the shroud of mystery will be pulled away. Yeah, <laughs> yeah geez, I'll, I'll, have, I'll have to get a haircut or yeah. something. I mean, I haven't, haven't won those since March. So, well, who has? Uh, no, as, I, as I said, I listened. I, I listened specifically to your two podcasts. One on the Ames mm. um, nominations and you were very complimentary how we did that so thank you very much oh, well. uh, but the Fair, other one credit, credit where credit the, is due Vinny it was excellent well and vice versa because the other one that impressed me greatly was your what parts and shows wins Ames mm. nominations and awards and I have to say your, re, your research on that I know it's a lot of it is available on the Ames website but you mm. still have to go through pages and pages so I did speak to the powers that be and I, we've all listened to your podcast from Rob Donnelly to Fiona Shearer and to all the uh, creative crew on the thing. And I said, basically, you guys are the Marty Whelans and the Graham Nortons <laughs> and the Terry Wogan. Uh, and, uh, and I'm taking the, the greatest compliment at Marty Whelan. Yeah. I mean, I, well, he is a hero. Well, He's a legend. Yeah. Well, That's basically, we, what we want to have you guys say, do a pre-show warm up. Uh, let's talk about who's nominated wow. uh, for mm. what parts. And then we'll kind of hand over to you guys throughout the show. And you can kind of be reading the Twitter feeds and the chat rooms and reporting back. And oh it also gosh. gives us a chance to, to reset because we don't have a massive stage. So we do need somebody to go to to kind of fill in some time. Yeah. <laughs> right. So cracks. it kind of works Done. for everybody. So if you guys are on for that, uh, we love oh, to we have are. you in the, build, in the building on the day doing your thing. Wow. And of course, there's absolutely no money in it whatsoever. <laughs> I know you don't mean like that. Uh, <laughs> for legal reasons. So the, I'm, I'm, I'm sure, I'm sure uh, Fiona Sherlock will make it a lovely cup of tea with a, a Cadbury's uh, snack bar. Or well, something like that. That's, old, that's, old, <laughs> that's yeah. done. I would have sold myself for less, I'll be honest. Yeah, that, that sounds, but, uh, that sounds incredibly exciting. We yeah. will, of course, I, I be did there. Ask, I did ask. I did think it would be, you know, I, I did say, you know, well, maybe we could give the guys a free weekend at Killarney next year. And they went, ha ha, that's the best. Well, anyway, look, you'll, you'll, the you'll, be there, you'll be there on the night. So you can try and talk yourselves into getting a free weekend next year. And good luck. Yeah. Yeah. So if you guys are on, we'd love we'd love to have you join us. Basically. Well, we will we will be Absolutely. there. Absolutely. We will be there. Bells and whistles, and it does sound like a fantastic night of entertainment. You've clearly all been uh, working fingers to the bone to get it together. Uh, we all have, yeah. And uh, I have to give a shout out to Jason Fallon, uh, who has just become uh, the father of twin boys. Last well, congratulations, so congratulations Jason. to him and Laura. They've already got a three-year-old Cahill, who I'm delighted to say is my godson. Um, no, Jason oh. has been invaluable. Um, myself and Jason do a lot of work together on events. Jason has mixed the sound and aims for oh, the guts of 10 years at this stage of the game. So he knows the thing backwards. And uh, so he's been invaluable mm. uh, this year. We're basically going to try and get the nominees and winners on screen. If that works, if, I, if it works half the time, I'll be delighted. Because <laughs> we, uh, we could be phoning into a party in Port Leash or a party in Roscommon <laughs> or God knows where. Yeah. And not that we're encouraging people to have house no, parties in any no, way. No, no, we, no. Must, um, we must insist per- that uh, COVID guidelines be observed. 
Yeah. At all times. Yeah. <laughs> all and times. actually, believe it or not, the venue uh, that we're going to have uh, given me a list as long as my arm of uh, literally measuring out the spaces between the presenters yeah. and the singers. So, yeah, no, the singers are going to be a big surprise. Um, we're not announcing them mm-hmm. at all. Fantastic. Um, so it'll be a surprise when they, when they appear on screen. When you see them on stage, it's when, well, you guys are going to see them that day during rehearsals. <laughs> so, uh, well, we'll, keep it, we'll keep it under wraps. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, keep yeah. it under wraps. Um, so that's the plan to have the Oddcast podcast uh, broadcasting live from Ames. And if it works this year, sure, maybe we'll do it again next year. So Ooh. we'll see what happens. Ooh. And hopefully we'll be live in Killarney. live in Killarney next year. Well, we are, we are as delighted as we are honoured, Vinny, and we are very honoured. Mm-hmm. So listen, thank you very much for extending that invitation. And of course, everybody... Don't forget to get on greatevents.ie forward slash Ames Awards to buy your tickets to see the live show. They are priced at 10 euro for a single person and 25 euro for a group. But of course, in order to support the Association of Irish Musical Societies, we are encouraging everyone to be as generous as you can with your ticket purchases. Vinnie Osborne, thank you very much for uh, joining us on the show and for that lovely invitation. Uh, not at all, lads. And thank you uh, for the dig out. Uh, I was a bit nervous asking you live on air because if you said no, <laughs> <we're gonna... laughs> if you said no, we're signing New Bridge or we're going to have like a couple of six packs. Um, yeah. That's not to say you can't bring your six packs with you. Yeah. Um, oh, even better. So uh, make sure you stay in your little pod and your little bubble together, you three guys. That's it. And uh, we will see you on the 19th of September. See you on the 19th, Vinny. Lovely. Thanks very much. Thank you. Talk soon. Wow. <laughs> so I Look guess I guess we're kind of famous. I know. It's amazing. Wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> that is going to be very, That's very class. exciting. Isn't it? That's really exciting. I mean, get the tux out. That's get, yes. it dry, get it dry cleaned. I didn't think I'd have to wear it this year. I know. <laughs> I better lose that weight up when I'm I, I was, yeah. <laughs> Dang it. Dang it. Better see if it fits. Yeah, Christ, that's incredible. It is. uh, It is. It is genuinely an honor. I'd say, right, okay, we'll have to get our thinking hats on Mm -hmm. and bring you lot uh, something very entertaining and very special at at the Ames Awards. If you have any ideas, maybe let us know. Yeah, so we can integrate uh, them into claim them as our own. (laughs) Yeah, that's that's that is definitely what we'll do. So yeah, if you have anything that you would like to see us talk about or do at Ames, give us a shout by email at theoddcast at oddtheatre.com or get in touch with us on Facebook or Instagram at the oddcast by Odd Theatre. Right, Dan, we'll have to screw our heads back on and <sighs> do a little bit of a chat about professional news because I believe for the first time in quite a while, we have a little shimmer of light coming uh, down onto Broadway in the West End because there is some chat of something new Mm -hmm. being created. Absolutely. So, yeah, we're kind of, I suppose, we kind of mentioned it earlier on, that, you know, we've kind of moved from, I suppose, kind of with COVID that we might, oh, we might find a cure quickly if we can go back to our normal lives to very much like, okay, we need to learn how to live with this Mm. and that this is going to be something we have to deal with for for a good portion of the foreseeable future. But as a result of that, I suppose, kind of leading the way, Andrew Lloyd Webber has, first of all, was the first person he's like, I want to carry out some kind of social experiment. So obviously he is the owner of um, several theatres throughout yes. London, and um, one of them which being the Palladium, which is a very 
very well-renowned, very famous theatre right in the heart of London. And this was the site a few weeks ago that he decided to put on this, what he called an experiment, basically. And he basically invited about, roughly about 650 people okay. to attend a, a, a production there. Now, the, the theatre itself can usually hold about well over 2,000 people if, mm. it's, if it's maxed out, but obviously adhering to, you know, social distancing rules that mm. are in force. Obviously, this is for the UK, but they are pretty, you know, similar right around the world. Um, so he was like, I'm going to see, you know, what can actually, what can be done if we actually, you know, adhere to these? Yeah. Can we actually put on a show? And in line with that, you know, there was like staggered arrival times for anybody coming to see the show. There was obviously an abundance of hand sanitizer. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think for most of it, like the audience, they had to put, they had to wear masks during the performance as well. Um, I think you, you could remove, if you had a drink, you were able to kind of, you know, adjust it, have a sip and then put it back because you couldn't even take it off for the duration of having a drink. I think that even at some parts of it, they had these contraptions. I think they had like started them in like Japan and, and Korea where they're like these dry chemical shower and a kind of a misty thing that you walk right. through and it gives you like, yeah, an yeah, all yeah. over kind of, you know, <laughs> sanitizing. So they had, they wrote Effectively a sheep dip exactly. of sorts. <laughs> a very <laughs> fancy sheep dip. <laughs> As you come through the door, yeah. <laughs> exactly. A de-lousing machine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um, so they had all these, you know, measures in place to try and, again, just see exactly this is what putting a show on would be like. And the show itself, it wasn't like a full-blown production mm. or play or music going that. It was um, Beverly Knight, British singer, and she obviously had, you know, she's had a turn in a few yes. West End musicals mm-hmm. as well. Uh, I believe she's been nominated for an Olivier Award, at least once anyway. Ooh, la, la. So she came on, she did, uh, she just did a concert, a concert yeah. of her of her own songs, kind of a few musical standards, that kind of stuff. Uh, Andrew Lloyd Webber himself, you know, kind of gave a speech at the beginning of it, um, you know, just kind of highlighting what he was setting out to achieve. Mm. Would it be possible to put on shows in this kind of world that we're living in? And I think he did kind of make the comment that it was quite disheartening, you know, to look out at a huge theatre, a huge West End theatre and see such a small number of people actually able to be there yeah for sure and so spread out as well across kind of like you know in the seats keeping that two meter social distance so that was kind of like the first kind of foray into trying to put on a show in you know the current world that we're living in by all accounts i mean beverly knight gave a great performance Mm. as you'd expect as you'd expect nothing less you know and i think like you know they're all i think everyone who was there was delighted to be there and i'm sure they you know it's a great thing to be able to but i suppose Overall, it still just kind of felt a little bit kind of a bit like, you know, like at the end of the day, it was a a, 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 a very, you know, sparse crowd yeah. and yeah. quite spread out across the theatre. So, you know, that kind of that energy that comes with it in the atmosphere yeah. just wasn't there by all accounts. You know, it, it was very hard to kind of. Yeah, well, I think I think a lot of the people listening to this will be, I certainly I am familiar with the concept of playing to a house that is far <laughs> far below capacity exactly and yeah. uh, it it's not the most enjoyable experience no, you really, you have to work an awful lot harder but equally i think uh, kind of from people who were because it was obviously like it was kind of invite only it wasn't just like you could buy tickets online obviously it was kind mm. of various people so like you know performers but also journalists were invited and and a lot of them were kind of saying like when people were trying to like cheer or applaud yeah, it would just be coming from like one section, and normally if a theater is full, that can like it spreads really it spreads exactly. rapidly, it ripples yeah. out, you know, and and everyone kind of joins in. Whereas like it kind of just it came from like the rafters, mm. and then it just stopped. You it's know, a completely that kind of different experience reacting to a performance when you are sitting on your own. Because I even think of you when you sit at home, even if I'm watching something that's very very funny, 
I, I rarely like laugh out loud mm-hmm. all that much or yeah. <laughs> you know yeah you, you whereas when you're in a crowd that's laughing you laugh too it's a very human thing yeah and you're just robbed of that when there's nobody sitting beside you yeah and it can also build as yeah. you go along because the more that lots of people are laughing then all of a sudden you're just you're you're trying to start to find nearly too many things funny or you're starting to cheer too much <laughs> yeah and like, okay calm you're down, trying to like, compensate calm yeah. down like you know you're suddenly so. like robert de niro in cape fear in the cinema with your cigar <laughs> 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 laughing obnoxiously or for anyone who who prefers the simpsons sideshow yeah. bob yeah, yeah. <laughs> in the episode cape fear yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah that, that's most of where my uh cultural references come from is they're rehashing on the simpsons exactly but then in recent weeks kind of building on mm. from that really we've seen actual productions of musicals in in a couple of west end shut the front theater. door I, I, I use theater as a very kind of air <laughs> quote <laughs> right because okay. the first was um in regent's park the open air theater so which, which is is a thing that has been going for a number of exactly, years yes. independently of COVID. absolutely yeah. yeah this was already a thing they did they've done little shop of horrors in recent yeah, years they were yeah, due to do a vita yeah. was supposed to be the one this year i think they've done a uh, carousel and they had done jesus christ superstar a couple of years ago it was actually i think it did quite well as at the time right. as a revival it did it did quite well and so they've they've brought that back and a lot of the i think certainly kind of the ensemble cast because obviously a lot of people who are professional theater actors yeah are finding it hard at the moment there's obviously not very few jobs doing the rounds yeah. so a lot of them shockingly were available to, <laughs> to come back and reprise it so that's going on obviously at the moment in uh, regent's park uh, in the open air and again the style of the theatre in Regent's Park. It's kind of like an amphitheatre, so it's kind of like tiered down, obviously, yes. and in the playing areas at, at the bottom of it. So again, it'll lend itself, obviously, normally you'd have people crowded in, it'll be much more kind of intimate, but, you know, I suppose because it's open air, it allows them to have, I suppose, a larger number because it's an outdoor event of as course. opposed to an indoor one. So again, they've have they've been obviously socially distancing the audience from each other, but there's still, I suppose, a bit more. Yeah. And in terms of like the players on stage, I believe that they are also socially distant kind of. So I suppose right. it's kind of like you obviously have your main players in Jesus Christ Superstar and then probably just like a few ensemble who are probably doubling up and they're playing the priests and they're playing the lepers and so various yeah. whatever else is needed and i'd say probably those large course numbers, something like for example like the temple scene like you know like yeah that's a lot of people you know coming on it i'd say it's probably less of that busyness in terms so of a little more stripped down in terms of the number of personnel yes absolutely yeah, yeah. and you, you could have find you could find as well that like some of them might be doing a bit more backstage singing kind of pit singing kind right. of thing like that if they're not on stage rather than actually being on stage to deliver that i see um so that's kind of the first one though yeah. but it's still again great to see an actual full-blown absolutely production yeah. of a musical going ahead and then the other production that i've seen that's uh, headlines as going on during covid restrictions is sleepless which is oh. the musical adaption of the film Sleepers in Seattle, which is ah. Tom Hanks okay. and Meg Ryan. Yes, it is. Indeed. It is indeed. And this You're not related by any chance, no? <laughs> no, <laughs> me and Tom. A- me and Meg. Me, <laughs> me and Tom no, I was Hanks. About Tom Hanks. Are <laughs> <laughs> um, no, dang it. But uh, this is actually an interesting. I remember seeing this was. Posted, like this musical is supposed to premiere because it it's actually the world premiere of this oh, musical oh. at the same time which I think is a bit of a, a bold move but I like it yeah and it was actually supposed to premiere probably a couple of years ago and I remember it was, at the time it was going to be Danny Mac who I think people, people most know from Strictly Come Dancing yeah but he was I think he's in Hollyoaks but he actually is he's, I think at the moment pre-lockdown he was actually in the West End run of uh, Pretty Woman 
Yes. Um, and then his actually his wife in real life, Carly Stenson, who's also again in Hollyoaks, but she's also in the West End as well as <laughs> the West End star. They were originally supposed to be in it, and it was a couple of years ago. And I remember it was definitely going to tour to Dublin, and it could well have been making its premiere in Dublin. Can't remember the details, a bit hazy. But then it just seemed to kind of fall off the radar. It just seemed to all of a sudden be right. gone and not coming back. So it is back now. It's actually now keeping up the Strictly Come Dancing theme, it's Jay McGuinness, who <laughs> won Strictly Come Dancing a couple of years yeah. ago, and uh, Kimberly Walsh. Oh, okay. Girls yeah. Aloud, also on yes. Strictly Come Dancing as well yes. a few years ago. Um, so they're it's now, amazing what Strictly can do for one's career in musical you, theatre. I'm you, if you want to get into musical theatre, don't bother with college, just go on yeah. Strictly Come Dancing. <laughs> <laughs> Tear up it. your offer from Arts Ed now <laughs> and try, try and get on Strictly get Come on Strictly. Dancing. Get on Strictly. It's easier. Much easier. <laughs> <laughs> but we can um, do a whole episode on that but yeah, totally yeah. but um and again they're doing it in the new troubadour theater which is out near wembley but again it's kind of less like a theater because I, I watched a video they had a kind of a, a chat with the producer behind mm. it and it's actually more akin to like the same this is probably doing a great disservice yes. more akin to a warehouse Kind of like you know, just right. a very a large open space. Now it is, so it's yeah. indoors. Okay, but I suppose it's kind of that's kind of why it's such a kind of significant because it's the first indoor production, full production of a show since lockdown began. Yes, right. And in terms, of, I think again, like the actors on stage, I don't really know how it's working for yeah. the show, but they are like socially distant. They are kind of maintaining a distance between each other. So I guess the idea in somewhere like this is that unlike a traditional theatre like the Gaiety, that you might have a bigger open space mm-hmm. on the floor, a little like the O2 or the Point, Precisely. right? Precisely. That you would be able to put your free seating in a space that's sufficiently distant from other absolutely. audience members. Yep, right? absolutely, absolutely. And then, you know, in terms of like the orchestra, I've seen like pictures of the orchestra, they have all, all of them are behind perspex screens. So like they're kind yeah. of, again, distant, but also the, the added kind of safety of having every, each member having yes. their own screens. In terms of like the cast, when they arrive every day, they get a test, a, a COVID-19 test every day. Um, and they have to like wait to get the result. They had like, there's a team of doctors and nurses wow. you know, there to carry out the tests for them. And it's only if they get a, like a, obviously if they return a negative test that they can actually Go on. go on stage yeah um, and then and they have i think the brought in i suppose kind of extra facilities as well for the audience members as well so i think i remember the producer saying that had to get, like good thing about the venues that it had is really good good number of toilets because obviously all these kind of things you don't even oh, think that's about good at the best of times yeah <laughs> <laughs> exactly. that's, a, that's an added bonus like you know but um that they were able to provide these further facilities and again you know temperature testing and, and, and yeah. all that mm-hmm. stuff but yeah it's 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 just great to see that kind of people are that there's a good bit of kind of spirit out there and a good bit of kind of you know yes. ingenuity well it's nice that's it's nice that even in the depths of the crisis that we're in that art is finding a way mm-hmm. no people like show people yeah. no, <laughs> no, no people no. like show people we're all here because we're not quite there uh, <laughs> so um very interesting very exciting and I, look we can only hope that these wind up being you know successful and safe ventures because they can hopefully predict some return in some capacity to professional musical theatre over the the coming months and and uh, as this thing unfortunately continues so that brings us to our guest for today's show 
Our guest on the show today has, over the past 30 years, established herself as one of the most popular leading ladies in professional musical theatre, playing some of the most demanding roles, including Ava Perron in Evita, Fantine in Les Miserables, Florence in Chess, Rose in Aspects of Love, Edith Piaf in Piaf, Joan of Arc in Jean, and Miss Hannigan in Annie. At just 23, she auditioned for her first musical, Blood Brothers, and although a little young to play Mrs. Johnston, the Liverpudlian Catholic mother of seven children, author Willie Russell was so captivated by her that he insisted on casting her anyway. A big oddcast welcome to the wonderful Rebecca Storm. Rebecca, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Thanks for asking me. No problem at all. How have you been? Uh, have you been entertaining yourself on lockdown? Because it's a real. It's a real cut to performers. You know, all of a sudden, your forum for expressing yourself gets gets taken away. You know, what what do you do? Um, well, I I was in actual fact, I was on the road with Calendar Girls for two years, fellas. So um, when I came home, I did um, four weeks in Blood Brothers in March, and just as I finished Blood Brothers, that's mm. when we went into lockdown. So if hand on heart, if I'm completely honest, I. For the first month or so, you know, it was just great because I <laughs> came home and I just did I just did home and garden and, and I felt under no pressure to do anything because nobody could. Um, but now it's gone on a little bit too long, hasn't it? Yeah, we yeah, thought it, it would all be over and it's just hanging on in there. And it's now a little bit terrifying for so many performers because I think probably entertainers are going to be the, the very last to kind of... Um, get back to work really so um we just we can just pray for a Un- unquestionably a i mean i remember seeing you in blood brothers and the board gosh yeah um i i would have never thought that wow this is going to be i think this is the last professional show i saw before I, yeah before i was gonna, I was gonna say down. the same i know that was only early this year and i saw the same show and yeah I, actually it was only when you mentioned it there rebecca i was like Oh my God, that was earlier this year, not... <laughs> it feels like it's so long ago. <laughs> it does. Exactly, Time yeah. has taken a completely new meaning. <laughs> it just... It's, 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 it's real. Uh, and when you get to my age, it's even worse. Yeah. I don't know what day it was. Anyway... But now it's like, is it Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday? Who knows? And there's so many bank holidays. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> but hey ho, the sun is shining, and uh, at the moment, and uh, yeah, keep smiling. It was uh, it was a great version, actually. The Blood Brothers this this year, I, I oh, really super. really enjoyed myself. The cast were just magnificent, and and so many of them were new. Mm. You know, there were so many new people that I'd never done it. I mean, I've I've done that show fourteen times. Wow. over 34 years um so you can imagine how many casts i've had you know but it was um i really enjoyed it this time yeah yeah mm. I'm, I'm sure you tell every cast they're the best one yet <laughs> of course i do yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. oh you'd be surprised how many mickeys i've told i love yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. The first version of Blood Brothers that I did back in 1984, Peter Capaldi was uh, was my son, Eddie. Oh wow! No oh way. wow! Oh my god, that's amazing! Yeah, yeah, and and 
And believe me, I was madly in love with him. Yeah. <laughs> I was desperate to have an affair with him. And, uh, you know, he wasn't interested in me at all. I think it might have been uh, the costumes. You know, Peter, like, what? Just what were you thinking? Glamorous <laughs> yeah. stuff. I mean, he had a really posh accent and he's so Scottish, of course. Of course. Um, mm. But, um, I mean, one of the most hysterical sights was him in his Boy Scout uniform with all his imac uh, legs, you know, like they, <laughs> all they had, to, they had to shave their legs in those days, you know, so there was mm. <laughs> <laughs> knobbly knees with white legs yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. And, and you still thought so he was beautiful I, you say <laughs> oh yeah yeah i mean so charismatic but hey ho those were the days 35 years ago yeah. i missed the boat there fellas <laughs> Around doctor who yeah. but yeah I, I think when we heard you were going to come on we were delighted and we thought we would start from the beginning i suppose so we kind of oh, wondered <laughs> How did you? How long is this program? <laughs> we have hours and hours, don't worry. We have endless I'll tape. Very yeah. fast. <laughs> so, like, we wondered how did you first get involved on stage? You know, like, where did it all start, essentially? Uh, let me think. Well, I tell you, I, apparently I used to sing in the high chair, boo, at the top of my voice. I used to do impressions of swings, apparently. You know, the swing needed oil, and I used to sing, umba, umba. <laughs> my mother had no idea what it was until one day we went down to the park. She heard, you know, she heard this swing, and it was me. I, I, so I was singing it at home. In the, in the... So I've always done impressions since I was two. Um, mm. But actually, how, how did I start singing? Well, um, do you know, the first time I sat on the stage was I, I wrote a song for music homework and my, my teacher thought it was good. And she and, and he, Dr. Brian, he sent it off to a, a radio competition for songwriters. And, and I won the thing. I think it was wow. in Yorkshire, like, you know, it wasn't countrywide, but I, but I won it. So then, of course, the flipping headmaster said I had to sing it on the stage in front of the whole school. So that was my first appearance. And I was absolutely I, I, I could barely leave, leave the loo, you know, before I, I was due to go on. Can you imagine yeah. singing in front of all your schoolmates? Oh my God, you know? yeah. Trial by fire. Almost. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, my, my, my first ever performance. So, yeah, baptism of fire. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I started with um, charities. Yeah. And um, I did loads and loads of charities when I was kind of a teenager. Anything I could to get a bit of experience and get rid of the nerves. Um, mm. and, and talent competitions. And then uh, eventually, uh, I just a band asked me to join them. Right. You know, and to do BVs and, uh, and, and ultimately to do, when I started to get the confidence, to do a couple of my own. And uh, so it just, it, it kind of went from there. And, you know, I told my mother that I was going to run away with a rock and roll band. You can imagine <laughs> I'm sure she was she delighted, was. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was on the road in a van. <laughs> <laughs> So then how did musical theatre pull you away from being a rock and roll star? Because honestly, I mean, I'm sort of I'm sort of captivated by that uh, alternative, (laughs) that alternative history. But where did musical theatre come into it for you? Well, the the first time I really started to like musical theatre was when Evita came out. Right, right. Because, you know, prior to that, you know, my sort of experience of it would have been... um, carousel and uh south pacific and stuff like that yeah. i mean i like the sound of music and mary poppins and all those kind of things I, I genuinely liked them but the idea of being in you know one of those kind of uh, what i thought was a bit sweet and sickly musicals mm. you know <laughs> did didn't float my boat at all um but then of course julie covington came along with don't 
from the Argentina and then there was this fantastic rock score of Evita and yeah. I mean I had it on all the time I, pl- I played it morning noon and night you know um, I played it uh, before I went to work you know and because um, I used to have a day job as well you know uh, so I'd play it at seven o'clock in the morning and drive all my neighbors around the bend and sing you know <laughs> flipping, rainbow high seven o'clock in the morning full chest voice um, and, and I just, I wanted to be Ava. I really did want to be Ava, um, but I didn't audition for it um, because I just didn't have the confidence. And then I uh, literally, I do, did you ever see the stage and television uh, newspaper? No, I don't. Think I don't think have. it's out now. I think I think it's gone. I think it might have been a, a very much a kind of a British thing. Um, but it, you know, it was a it was a magazine for uh, showbiz, you know. So it would review things and things like that. It was quite famous in its day. And on the back few pages, they they had um, they used to hold auditions, and I went to an open audition, which doesn't exist now. So I was mm-hmm. so lucky. Um, and I was living in Yorkshire, and the audition was being held in Manchester at the Palace Theatre. And I've never auditioned for anything at all like that and it it said blood brothers it said somebody between 24 and 40 and i think i was 23 and i thought you know well i can definitely look 40 <laughs> it was a it was a wet february morning you know and i so uh yeah i went along and um there must have been about 500 girls queuing up and wow. um anyway um i didn't know anything about this musical i, I didn't i didn't know the storyline i didn't know what part i was auditioning for i just know that it said this there was this little square and I went along and I sang a song called The Second Time and Willie Russell said, who wrote it? And I said, Tim Rice. And later he was quoted as saying, uh, you know, the only reason we gave her the part was because she didn't sing Memory. Because oh, Memory wow. was the oh, okay, hit okay. of the time. And apparently they'd listened to 499 girls singing Memory. <laughs> and uh, and um, yeah, and I and picked this one. And uh, it, the, the music was written by Francis Light's beautiful song um, from the from a, a film called Billitus, which was about lesbians, you know. So I had a bit of a story to tell yeah. about this song as well. Very different, very um, different. But uh, advice to any of your listeners who are thinking about auditioning for anything, don't pick a song that has got a long instrumental in the middle. <laughs> because that okay. song did. And, you know, while I was singing... Uh, I was okay, and then as soon as the you know the pianist started playing this instrumental, my legs started wobbling like <laughs> mad because I was terrified and I had nothing to do. I didn't know where to put my arms, didn't know where, anything, and I felt sick. And then of course it was time to sing again to finish off the song, and I thought, please get through this song, you know. Um, long story cut short, Chris Bond was the director, and he sat there, and after they cast me, he said, "Can I give you a bit of advice?" And I said, "Of course you can," you know, and he said. You know when your leg starts wobbling <laughs> too well, and and he said, stand on that one, and take the weight off the other, because you'll you know you'll you'll kind of you'll make it still, and then once the other one starts wobbling, <laughs> wobbling over, just go from one foot to the other, because otherwise you know I mean you looked like a gibbering wreck while you were. <laughs> anyway, they still cast me, fellas. So um, I was a very lucky girl that day. It obviously worked. The second time paid off. Yeah. So you hadn't done a, a musical really up until that point. So at 23, you're thrust into the world of professional musical theatre and, and it's just a whirlwind. I, how daunting did you find that? Uh, incredibly, incredibly so, yeah, yeah. You know, when 
slide yourself into something mm. and then you realize when you get there that you're not actually you know you don't feel like you're you're up to it um that's pretty much i, I was full of bravado um I, I was surrounded by fantastic people who just the actors were amazing that i worked with there was there was no sense of um be supported uh, and, mm. and there was no sense that they were kind of looking at me and going why because ultimately I mean Mrs. J was the star of the show Barbara Dixon had done it in London and this yeah, was the yeah. tour that I'd auditioned for so, and I didn't know I mean I genuinely didn't know I was auditioning for a mother of seven kids you know at 23 <laughs> would you you know um <laughs> and, obviously felt I looked old enough and, when that, um, and like when so, they tell you that you know you, I mean you're a young girl and then they turn around and like well we want you to play this mother of seven were you taken back or were you like no absolutely I'm, I'm doing it anyway <laughs> well I they didn't tell me <laughs> it was too late. no they didn't they didn't tell me they they um David Pugh, who was just my producer here when I did Calendar Girls these past two years, he was the producer along with Bob Swash and um, and Chris Bond was the director. Um, and basically, I sang the song and then they said, well, you sing another song. So I sang Niagara from a Barbara Streisand album. And then they said, if we send you a script, uh, will you come and read for us? You know, so I said, yeah, yeah. Of course, you know, like you do. Um, and a script arrived, and and my my mother read it first. Mm. And when I got in, she said, um, "What's what's what's the part that they're talking about for you?" You know, and I said, "I don't know. I think they said that it was the mother. They sort of mentioned the mother part." And she just laughed out loud and <laughs> and, and said, "You know, <laughs> you've got to be kidding. You've got no chance." <laughs> you know. <laughs> Thanks, man. <laughs> no, no, nothing like motherly said, affection. Thanks for the confidence, mother. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Thank you for the confidence. Um, so, but it was a Liverpoolian thing. So, you know, I knew an awful lot of Liverpool friends and I phoned them all up and I said, talk to me, talk to me, you know, just uh, how would you say this? How would you say that? You know, giving yeah. them a few lines from the script. Um, and they kind of helped me through the um, the accent. And uh, there was a couple of scenes that they wanted me to learn and 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 I had a great memory so I, I knew the script but mm. you know I mean I, I I wasn't an experienced actress I could sing and I think it was because my voice was it was like a folky sort of voice you know and that's uh, mm. that was Willie Russell's style you know he loved he loved the folk stuff he that's, his background was in folk music so yeah. it, my voice got me the part and, and then literally Chris Bond taught me how to act in six weeks <laughs> another but I was baptism of fire I mean the absolutely of terrified <laughs> I used to go into the park and cry at lunchtime so I'd go into the park and cry because Chris Bond you know I mean he was he was a fearsome director he he wrote uh, Sweeney Todd you know he wrote the the play for Sweeney Todd and he he's a force to be reckoned with he's a fantastic fella but I you know talk about stripping you down to <laughs> you know nothing and then and then uh, and then building you back up again it, so it was it was truly a terrifying experience yeah I used to go in in the, in the rehearsal room in in high sexy boots you know up to my knees <laughs> and <laughs> and hot pants you know visualize me now boys um, and uh, I <laughs> yeah and and and, uh, and then go on you know saying once I had a husband and, and he literally in front of everybody just stopped me and he said Becca do you think you look like a catholic mother of seven kids <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, I said, Prob probably not Chris you know 
Um, and, and you know, it's it, in front of everybody. I mean, he just, you know, absolutely traumatized Red over so many things. Uh, I lost every every ounce of ego I had. Uh, and then, you know, he just taught me how to uh, how to act. And I'm I'm forever grateful to him. You know, I mean, it opened up so many doors. <laughs> I came in in trainers the following day, by the way. <laughs> that was the end of the boots. I threw Fine. the boots away. Fine, respectable shoe. Yeah. <laughs> but you said you, you, like you've played it 14 times now over the last... That there must be something that draws you back every time to the part. Is, is there a, a, a special connection now with Mrs. J or what is it that yeah. just keeps pulling you back in? Um, I mean, I absolutely love the show. I, I, by the sounds of it, you you kind of loved it as well. I mean, yeah. I, I love the fact that it appeals to to pretty much everybody. You've got to be, have a heart of stone to not see something in that show. I think you oh, know, even sure. to this day. I mean, it's eighty three. I think when it first went out, so it's um, mm. thirty thirty seven years or something, um, and and it still has. The relevance, you know, people out of work and, uh, oh, yeah. you know, women not being able to have babies and women having too many babies, you know, etc. Yeah. etc. Et There's something relevant. And, and I love the fact that um, young people come to see it. So, you know, on a purely selfish basis, I love the fact that, you know, sort of eight, nine, 10, 12 year olds yeah. um, come along and like me, because I'm playing a role that they like, you know, and I'm in a show that they like, you know, so it, it opens me up to a, a wider audience, which once again, I'm really grateful for. And I think I've gone through three generations now, you know, I mean, I had a situation <laughs> down in Cork at the Opera House where um, th- this um, a lady came up to me and she said, I saw this show in 1986 summer of 1986 I did it in the Cork Opera House and uh, without wanting to give too much away to your listeners but she said when the guns went off she said I was eight and a half months pregnant my my waters (laughs) broke and I was rushed to the hospital around the corner from the Cork Opera House I gave birth to a baby boy and called him Mickey (laughs) <laughs> and she came in 30 years later and and told me the story brought brought the son in and the son didn't bring his baby but he had a he had a baby as well you know by that stage so you know it's like three generations or something he didn't call the son eddie did he no, <laughs> no i don't know what he called his son but yeah he was mickey yeah but it is it is such a captivating show isn't it i always say the thing about blood brothers is that there are those kind of saccharine sweet shows i think a lot of people when they think of musicals think about something which is very happy-go-lucky and not altogether real but that's not not something you could ever say about blood brothers i mean blood brothers is a very authentic very evocative story yeah and you know and very real i mean there's so much truth in it isn't there let's face it you know there's so much truth in in people you know uh committing robberies because they're out of work and they're desperate you know so um uh, mm. you know and the path of life for one going you know to university etc it's um it, it's it's totally heartbreaking and yet at the at the same time it's hysterically funny because of course Willie is hmm. a great writer of comedy of course you know so getting those two together I mean I I, I was just blessed to be uh to be offered the part you know I mean I I, I just what can I say except I'm forever grateful I you know so many women want to play that role so many, you know, and, and so many have. And, you know, I was a massive fan of Carol King when I was a kid. You know, I mean, I played Tapestry the same as I did Evita, you know, over yeah, yeah. and over again. Um, and when I found out that, um, you, you know, she'd kind of played the role that, you know, I mean, way after me, 
I think it was about 15 years ago that she did it, you know, and Petula Clark's played it and, you know, so many amazing women. So I, uh, yeah, I feel, I feel blessed. I'm hoping to do it again and probably Zimmer for me on the stage. I don't think so. I don't think so somehow. Petula Clark was 70. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, when we finally get back with these musicals, I will be there. The great thing about Mrs. Johnston is, you know, you can just carry on getting older and older. It doesn't really matter. (laughs) You you don't have to be a young chick. (laughs) Of course, you know, Mrs. Mrs. J is a, a huge part of your career, but you've played so many other wonderful leading ladies in as well. You know, Eva Peron, Fantine, Florence and Chess, Rose and Aspects of Love. Do you have your favorites amongst those or ones that that you kind of think, no, I've, maybe I've done them and I wouldn't go back to them again? Oh, there's a few I wouldn't do again. <laughs> but I don't put them on my bio, so you didn't mention them. <laughs> uh, yeah, there's a good few I wouldn't go back to. Mm. I, I do you know what happened? I from from doing uh, Mrs. J back in '84, it was just like doors opened. So I literally, mm. um, I think directors kind of see you in one. And it's true what they say. If you're in work, then it's so much easier to get work. For sure, yeah. Um, because people can come and see you. So um, like Bob Swash was the producer of Evita as well as uh, the original producer of Blood Brothers. So once uh, I'd finished the Blood Brothers run, he literally phoned me up and said, do you want to play Ava? And I mean, I, I nearly fell over, you know? <laughs> I mean, I was just absolutely over the moon but the funny thing the funny thing was you know i had to wear all those flat shoes and those dreadful dresses in in uh, blood brothers Uh, and ava's quite a glamorous role you know so i i swear i swear to god when i went in to sing with emd um he said rebecca um we want you for the part but would you mind lifting your skirt up and showing us your legs (laughs) 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 yes and, and i did and he said oh great great I mean, he was gay, by the way, you know, there's, there's nothing uh, kind of, you know. It wasn't out of personal interest. It's, it's just that she had to wear, she had to wear very glamorous, you know, sort of uh, very glamorous clothes. <laughs> I had to be glamorous in that one. Uh, Florence in Chess is great. I mean, it's a great thing to sing the uh, the stuff from, you know, ABBA. I mean, they're just right so brilliantly for oh, yeah. for women. Yes, yeah, so there were, I mean, a, a lot of those, so they were just magnificent roles and I was just over the moon to be uh, to be offered them. Aspects of love, you know, was tricky for me because it was very high and it, I think it was a little bit out of my register. So I didn't enjoy that quite so much, but I did get to kiss or he got to kiss me, John Barrowman, three times a show, you know. Oh. So there were some things that made up for it. You, know? <laughs> <laughs> you suffer. You suffer for your art. <laughs> exactly. Suffer for your art, yeah. <laughs> but you see, I, he, he wouldn't have been my, my favorite male lead. My favourite male lead would have had to have been a guy, I don't know whether you, you've ever heard of him or not, called Mark Trundle. <laughs> and I've worked with him a good few times, and he has to be at the top of the list. <laughs> yeah. And we'll have to check in the post soon, Rebecca, don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> but some of those some of those shows, I mean, chess particularly, I, I think I remember reading that you were on that chess tour for about 20 months. You know, yes. you've you've been on some pretty long tours. Is that a really tough experience personally? Is is it hard to be away from home for that long? Does it take its toll? 
Um, it does actually, yeah. There's, there's no point in lying about it. I, you know, there, there are things that um, you don't get to spend an awful lot of time with your family. I have a daughter now, she's she's 39, but when I was in chess, um, you know, she would come out for the summer seasons when they were on holiday from school and things like that. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you know, I was, I was doing an amazing show and I was traveling the world, playing fantastic theatres, getting fantastic response from the audience. But mm. when you do sort of come off... Um, you sort of want to be at home and then when you're at home you want to be in the theatre so your life's a little bit bipolar for a while yeah and and definitely uh, the tours were so like this was a massive success and they just kept extending it when I first signed up it was only a six month run I mean the Evita run was only a nine month run I ended up doing that four and a half years on and off (laughs) but you know when the work's there you, you can't sort of say oh no I don't think I'll bother yeah, you know, you, you know, I was I was kind of young and I was ambitious and it was kind of happening for me. But yeah, a lot of a lot of your home life does suffer. Sure. Yeah, it's a bit more. It's more balanced now. <laughs> <laughs> you mentioned there that you know when the work is coming, you do of course find it very difficult to turn anything down. But are there parts that you have? turned down or, or never had the chance to play that you'd maybe like to play again is there something out there that you think oh you know I'd, I'd love to have a go at that um yeah I mean there's a lot of there's a lot of shows that you, you see you, did you see come from away yes. oh yes yes yeah it previewed in the the abbey here in Dublin before they took the West End production on exactly and I, and I saw it I came over um because it was it was around the Christmas time, wasn't it? And um, mm, that's right. I think it was December. Uh, yeah, so I went to see it with Denise Welsh because we were coming over to do a bit of publicity for the Calendar Girls thing, and and I saw that, and I, and I wanted to be in that, and uh, never got the chance. Um, Helen Hobson was in that. She and she's magnificent, and and she was actually my understudy when I was fourteen in Les Mis. Um, wow. And then went on to get all the best parts. Yes, <laughs> I mean, I at the same time. <laughs> Well, you can take it as a compliment. She evidently learned a lot, Rebecca. She did. <laughs> exactly. Everything she knows, she learned from me. Uh, yeah. You know, there's a few parts that, um, you know, that probably pass me by. Um, but, you know, I'm not moaning. Uh, I had um, I had a good crack at the whip. So um, I certainly wouldn't, you know, I'm, I, I'm not in a position to complain. Now, you mentioned earlier, obviously, not doing songs that have a large instrumental in the middle for, for as advice for anybody looking <laughs> yeah. to audition but you know yes. as, aside yeah. aside from the wobble that. leg syndrome <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> but aside from that you know if, if someone if, if a young person looking to get into a career particularly in kind of musical theater but, but in acting is, is there anything that you would say to them oh my goodness how long have you got <laughs> uh, uh, first of all I mean particularly it's relevant at the moment if you look as a young person at going into a, a, a career in the theatre before COVID-19 hit us and, and ruined all our lives um, for the time being, it was, it was already oversubscribed. Yeah. So for every part that's out there, you know, there's, there's literally thousands of people looking to mm. have it. So to, to make a, um, inroads is tough. For sure. You know, it's, it's it's tougher now than it ever was. I'm very happy that I was kind of in and around it, you know, back in the day because, you know, it, it was actually easier because 
there weren't that many people that actually wanted to go into show business strangely enough i think the uh, the likes of the x factor and um, britain's got talent and all those kind of programs are amazing yeah but i think unfortunately i do genuinely i think they are amazing um and they're a great jumping off board for people that want to be in the business like you know the likes of will young who who'd put the years in and leona lewis people like that i mean god we do want them in our lives they're brilliant of course. but i do think that it can give it can give the wrong impression to a lot of people. It, mm. it can give the impression that it's just easy to kind of go and queue up and they'll be discovered like Susan Boyle. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and it doesn't really happen that way. Uh, and I've seen a lot of people sort of suffer from uh, quick, quick fame. Yes. And then and not being able to sustain it, you know, not being able to stand the business in as much as you know there are sharks out there and and um mm. so it's you've got to have a lot of support around you if you've got a good family and you've got the talent and you've and you've got the um chutzpah or whatever the yeah. relevant yeah. word yeah. is you know then um then go for it absolutely go for it but don't expect it to be an easy ride because it won't be mm-hmm. no i heard a great quote about that from john conroy who's a cinematographer from nace and film is obviously like theater I know, a very john. tough industry yeah. and and he he, yes. he received an award recently and and said in his acceptance that he's a 30-year overnight success yeah <laughs> so, exactly you know yes. I, I think i think the overnight success is the part that appeals to people but it, it's, it's not the graft behind the scenes that's no that's it and you know i mean you don't mind people having you know a, a lot of people go into panto don't they or they go on these mm. um you know, reality shows, and then and then they kind of go into musical theatre, and, and it's grand. You know, I see it, it's just I, I feel terribly sorry for a huge amount of people that I've worked with over the years, who, especially the young ones now, like the twenty-five, thirty-year-olds, who have just got through the door, mm. um, and now the door has been shut, and it will be shut for at least I'd say six months to a year before it gets going again. Yeah, and that can really, you know. Well, it takes its toll because if you've been studying music, like singing, dancing, acting, you've got to be a triple threat these days. Yeah. Um, wh- you know, what do you do? Where do you go? You know, people can say, you know, go and do something else, but it's not it's not as easy as that. So, it, you know, it's a big decision to make and uh, don't take it lightly, young people. Obviously, uh, you mentioned Chris Bond teaching you to act in, in six weeks. Do you think the proliferation of stage schools, and I know a lot of people will, perhaps people listening to this podcast as well, be contemplating going to musical theatre or theatrical training school, maybe something like RADA in, in London or Guildford. Do you think that is is something that would help people on the road or is it just really practical experience that you need to try and get as early as possible? There are uh, amazing schools. And they are the jumping off board. Mm. There's no doubt about it. And if you want to go into a life of show business, that's the place to go. Go yeah. and learn how to sing. Go and learn how to. Don't don't just think that you can play a guitar at home like I did, because that doesn't work anymore. They yeah. they want um you know that if you want to go into musical theatre, they want triple threat. You have to be able to sing, dance, and act, yeah. and also, these days, I mean, I was lucky because there were open auditions. They don't exist anymore, open auditions. Sure. You have to you have to go to these schools. You have to, you know, I would say to all 
students that wanted to take it seriously, you've got to go to London. You've got to go to a London school because London is the only place that the producers will watch the, the auditions. Yeah, mm. yeah, it's the musical theatre mecca. Exactly. And because there's, it, you know, the pool is so vast that they know that if, um, you know, if an actor, singer or whatever has gone to one of these schools, I mean, you don't have to go, don't get me wrong, you don't have to go to London. I mean, there is a couple mm. in uh, Liverpool, but they, what you have to do is you have to get the list of, of those schools that the producers and directors take seriously. Yeah. Because they're the only ones that will get your foot through the door. So, you know, it's not... Uh, it's not an overnight success, not not for uh, for anyone. And uh, I mean, I guess um, you know, if you want to go on Love Island, you know. But um, <laughs> it, <laughs> I, I I somehow don't think I have the uh, the abs for yeah. Love Island. Somehow I don't look like Richard Bruton, so I'm, no. <laughs> no, but it would certainly get you into. <laughs> Well, that's true. <laughs> there's, so, there's so many of them gone into musicals <laughs> Absolutely. now, you know. There's plenty of them could play uh, Rocky Horror in, in Rocky yeah, Horror. Plenty, yeah, plenty, yeah, <laughs> plenty. Um, exactly, yeah. It seems like a silly question now, but uh, like, is there anything in the pipeline for you looking forward in terms of, you know, these alternative events that, that people have been planning during COVID? Well, I mean, I have a tour, you know, that uh, I was meant to be doing in May, which now is... Uh, supposed to be happening in April so the the like the board gosh and the Cork mm. Opera House ex, and Limerick etc so um that as far as we are aware and hope and pray will be happening next year so I'm I don't know whether the theatre's open to buy tickets at the moment but um if people want to order my cd they can just go onto my website rebeccastorm.com and I'll happily send you one <laughs> the essential Rebecca Storm 34 tracks sing you to sleep um and and also if you if I can if I can point your <laughs> if I can point your listeners to um youtube Mm. Um, myself and my daughter did one of these lockdown things where I was here in the music room and she was in her music room in Yorkshire and we did a duet called Why Worry? Um, and we got thousands of hits on that. Great. So if your listeners want want to just um it doesn't cost you anything but uh, and i don't get anything so i'm not plugging for finances but, <laughs> but I, we're really quite quite proud of it you know and and um i mean i you know i we talked about it and i just said you know let's just do it because it's a memory then isn't it you know and um so yeah, yeah we sang to each other and uh, and you can check that out on on youtube um you know and who who knows i mean the longer this goes on the more people have to think outside the box yeah so we may be doing kind of streaming concerts you know um it, i'm i'm not too much high on technology as you probably know <laughs> <laughs> but um you know, we, we we may get round to doing that. We may be doing uh, Rebecca Storm sings from a car park. Well, I don't know. Fantastic. W- watch this space, as they say, fellas. Watch this space. If you do, we'll be the the first into the uh, the drive-in concert, yeah. Rebecca. Listen, thank you so much for joining us on the show today. Check out Rebecca's YouTube channel or go to rebeccastorm.com. Rebecca, thanks very much for your time today. Oh, it's a pleasure. Thanks for asking me, fellas. I'll see you soon. So that takes us on to our restricted groovement for this episode. Of course, last week we got so into our AIMS chat that we decided to give restricted groovement a little bit of a break. But we'll pick it up again because, Adam, you were 
trying to decide, and I, I'm sure you're glad that you had a full month to try to <laughs> determine which of my suggestion of the adventurous musical Bonnie and Clyde or Dan's musical, the I maybe mean, somewhat stead Heathcliff were, were, I like you said was Dan's better. musical. It's like I wrote it. Yes. You <laughs> take like, pride in your achievement, like I, Dan. It's like I pitched. <laughs> I, I'll, I'll rephrase for just to clarify, Dan's chosen musical, Heathcliff, <laughs> uh, which of course starred Cliff Richard. It did in the, the mid nineties in a in a massive UK tour. Huge, huge, huge numbers, huge. Yeah. huge numbers. So I, I'm I'm interested to to hear your thoughts on these two. I don't think we're going to find two musicals which are much more different than these two because they're yeah they're pretty th- apart. There's not really a common thread other than the fact that they're both stories told with song, <laughs> which <laughs> like which could I, be said. Of every musical. <laughs> it could be. It could be, said, could be said about every restricted groovement so yeah. far. <laughs> but should it be? <laughs> and the answer is obviously yes. Um, well, they're both tragic. I, I think there is one thing in common with these two shows outside of the, the tragedy element mm. is that I didn't really like either of them. Ooh. <laughs> I think, oh. And I think that is a first in the restricted groovement. There have been times where I've been, these are both okay, but I think this is the first time I've actually probably go on a limb and say disliked both shows wow um, in bonnie and clyde there's cool jazzy elements and like you can't discredit the performers in bonnie and clyde it's a great cast like jeremy jordan in particular has mm. got a fantastic voice and he has a song called raise a little hell which is which is quite good and like the overall sound is is pretty cool in uh, bonnie and clyde with with the kind of the jazzy kind of turn of the not turn of the century kind of 1920s vibe of the music it's quite cool but um, the songs themselves aren't particularly memorable to me. And then, you know, I look at Heathcliff and, you know, obviously on paper, this sounds like an absolutely woeful decision of a show. <laughs> like, I mean, like wow. when you dug a little bit deeper into it, Dan, you said, oh, it's the guy from Greece, you know, who wrote you know, some of the big songs in the movie. And, yes. you know, like it sold eight million pounds worth of tickets or whatever it was in like Birmingham of all places to, <laughs> you know, to sell that many numbers. But they got cash to splash in Birmingham. You know, so it just seems like an odd choice. And I think, did you say Helen Hobson did a recording of it with Cliff Richard? She released the singles with him. Mm-hmm. And obviously we, we heard that Helen Hobson was, was understudied to Rebecca Storm. Exactly, interview. yeah. But like you mentioned that the overture would be particularly good. And it is. Yay! This was right. And This Understood Man is, is kind of the big song that Cliff Richard sings. It's the opening song of the show then. And that's okay. And then what follows is an hour and 45 minutes of just like bland audio oh i i won't call it auditory torture <laughs> wow so well damn it like <laughs> unlike knives out <laughs> so unlike previous episodes where i've been like oh you know like something rotten and heathers was a really tight call for two mm. really good shows this time around it's kind of <laughs> Which one do would I not be as upset about if I heard it again? And I feel Yikes. like God, well, I that's... feel like Bonnie and Clyde is going to nudge it on that basis because <laughs> it's I, mean, I don't. Just... I don't even want to celebrate. <laughs> after yeah, that. Like, you can have that one. You can have that victory. <laughs> Congratulations, Keen. Your pick yeah. was less bad. Yeah. <laughs> but they are definitely not shows that I will be it, like very. For instance, it's a miracle. Borgosh is open tomorrow and you have free tickets to see Bonnie and Clyde. I think I would go, hmm. Like, not even for free. Not even for free. It, like I'm I'm shocked. Uh, yeah, I mean, like I wouldn't even... I, like, I know what's the saying. I'm not sure I would even cross the road 
to go see other the shows. That's <laughs> wrong. <And laughs> if it was Heathcliff, if, 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 so as my mother would say, if they were playing out in the front garden, I wouldn't open the door <laughs> to look at them. And I think I go so far as if it was Heathcliff, I might even close the blinds. <laughs> oh Jesus! Dang it! Dang. You yeah. really didn't like these two. On a lighter note, looking forward to this week's picks. No pressure, guys. Wow. Okay. I have I enter this week's pick with a certain degree of trepidation mm-hmm. <laughs> on the back of that absolute slamming. I suppose might be the. But what a would win. you say, Dan? Do you feel emotionally crushed? I feel emotionally crushed. I mean, I usually do because I usually lose these things anyway. So, but that oh, was that was harsh. That was harsh. But I didn't feel like a win, though. I have to yeah, say, yeah, no, I, like yeah, it, no. it, it felt it was kind of like you won by virtue of Dan scoring an own goal. Like your team were still terrible, but or they at least knew which direction or that to you face. Won you didn't like it. We get it. <laughs> you could or that you back won, off. Or that, or that you won because it's like I couldn't field enough players or something. <laughs> like, yeah, <laughs> like, like just they hollow, yeah. hollow victory. Dreadful. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm going to see if I can try and pick things <laughs> up here. I am going to pitch in a show that I was actually reminded of by a listener who got in touch with us. So big shout out to Charles John for reminding me of the brilliance of this show, though I hope you regard it as such, Adam. Bear, a pop opera. Is now is now is that bear with a A R E or is it about the animal? Alright, so I'm <laughs> I'm I'm gonna clarify all of these contentious points in a moment. So bear is not about yogi or any other variant <laughs> of an actual live bear. It is it's not it's not Goldilocks and the three bears told from the bear's perspective. It's not that kind of show. I've heard enough. Damn, what's your pick? <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm done. Um, bear bear is actually not that vibe, I'm gonna say, right? It's bear B A R E. Okay. A pop opera. So it's a coming of age rock musical set in a Catholic boarding school, music by Damon Intrabartolo. So it's a very rocky, very modern score. It's a score that I absolutely love. I think it's just, it sounds spectacular as a show. It centers around the struggles that the two central characters, Peter and Jason, have with their homosexual secret relationship at this Catholic school and trying to deal with the difficulties of their faith, but also how to try to manage their feelings towards each other in that milieu. Mm. And it really is just, a, I think, a brilliant, brilliant piece. I know in the original cast recording of it, uh, Peter and Jason are playing by James Schneider and Matt Doyle. Matt Doyle, who you'll remember from Jasper in Deadland. Yes, indeed I do. And it's beautifully sung. It, it had a little bit of a revision as Bear the Musical, where elements of the story were revised, elements of the music were revised. And I think an effort was made to perhaps make it a little more accessible as Bear the Musical. But fans of the show have raised questions as to whether it's actually an improvement or not. I think you might be, it might be fair to say it improves some things and it disimproves others and makes certain elements of the plot make less sense than its original incarnation. But both of them have seen a number of touring productions, different productions internationally. And in in fact, the cast recording of Bear the Musical contains probably my vocal crush, Barrett Wilbur Weed. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, yes. that's that's a soundtrack worth listening to. But I'm going to put you onto the original. Right. I'm going to put you onto 
bear a pop, rock, opera. pop opera and actually cit had some success i think with bear the musical in around 2016 they were nominated for best overall show with that it's a very touching it's a very real show so i hope this you'll enjoy it adam i certainly hope it gets better <laughs> a better response than my last effort sounds like something i can sink my teeth into anyway it sounds yeah, no, like it, is. it, sounds it like is. a de- it's definitely you know. it's it is a real it's a real piece of theater super Damn. Sink your teeth into and rip to shreds. <laughs> 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 Jesus. Right. So, Dan, have you gotten over your palpitations? Have you have you summed up the courage to actually pitch something to Adam? Go again. Go like again. Once more into the breach, dear yeah, friends. What is this? Was it the Monty Python's No, not Monty Python. Holy Grail. Or another another knight that keeps the oh, no, tis, tis tis merely tis a flesh wound. <laughs> That's me. That's me coming back again. Tis but a scratch. Your arms off. <laughs> <laughs> um so I've once again picked a, a movie that was turned into a musical. Um, Brave strategy. Oh. <laughs> <'Cause it's laughs> Do you want to replace the word brave with foolish, Adam? Is that what you were I no. Maybe. Because it's, <laughs> it's actually both my previous movies turned into musicals have worked for me. Beetle, Beetlejuice. Beetlejuice and Hunchback Down. Yeah. True. only two things, in fact. Yeah, exactly. So, third time's a charm. When I'm unsure, my intonation goes up. So, I have picked Groundhog Day, the musical. Sorry, what was that again? Groundhog Day, the musical. Sorry, what was that again? Groundhog Day, the musical. Sorry, what was that again? Please. <laughs> <laughs> I'd do it. I'd do it. No more. Um, so this was uh, obviously based on the, the 1993 film, uh, same name, Bill Murray and yeah. Andy Big McDowell. Fan. Oh, Big fan. Oh, it's a, one of my favourite movies of all time. fantastic. It's actually such a It's perfection. Drawer. It's it, perfection. It absolutely is a top drawer. And it's funny that you mentioned that perfection because this version, obviously, uh, music and lyrics were done by Tim Minchin, who is a very famous uh, Australian comedian. Yes. And yes. did Matilda. But originally, back in kind of the early noughties, uh, Stephen Sondheim actually expressed interest in doing a musical version oh, wow. of Groundhog Day. But then when he was asked about it a few years later, he actually said that to do a musical version of it would be to gild the lily and that you couldn't. Uh, it's actually ah, perfection. That, that <laughs> is perfection. Vote of yeah. confidence in Tim Minchin. Um, I, I kind of feel that way about Sister Act. <laughs> but there you go. So, <laughs> but they Sensible from Sondheim. Exactly. So so he initially was like, you know what? Can't even try. It's already perfection in terms yeah. of the movie. Um, but it was made into a musical back in 2016. Um, and it, it follows obviously the same, same storyline, same plot as uh, the movie in which weather reporter uh, Phil yes. Connors is sent out to Punxsutawney in uh, <laughs> Philadelphia to cover uh, Groundhog Day so the town of Punxsutawney which is a great name great it name is for brilliant yeah. um, and they have on Groundhog Day every year and this idea that there's a there's a guy in the town who can who can speak groundhoggese <laughs> and, <laughs> and that basically if the groundhog sees its shadow it means that winter will go on yeah, for another yeah. while longer um, so that's what they have this big gather about to see if uh, I believe it's the guy's name uh, what is it Phil actually yeah, his name Phil, the groundhog yeah. as well Punxsutawney Phil Punxsutawney Phil yeah um, um, and so that that's the premise of it. But basically, in the movie, he keeps reliving Groundhog, Groundhog Day over and over yeah. and over and over um, until he, you know, becomes a better person. And that's what breaks the wicked curse. 
Yeah, which yeah. is never explained, really. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, that's it's, just it's never explained what actually unlocks the curse. Yeah. <laughs> or really what caused it. Or, yeah. <laughs> did he did, did he go through one of those, like, you know, mist curtains, like, Andrew Lloyd Webber has in his theatre, like, when he's driving into Punk's Chani? But, yeah. I, I mean, like, I, I took an awful lot of negativity away from that because really so the only way that he manages to live a fulfilled life is that he's incredibly accomplished at everything now (laughs) (laughs) because doesn't he like learn to become an expert piano player and the most popular guy in town i think ice sculpting is something he does as well but yeah it's funny because it's it's definitely one of those films you can just watch again and again and again we already did that bit (laughs) let's see if the soundtrack is the same well the big if if it's not a if it's not a loop of one song I will be disappointed. <laughs> well, it's, funny should, it's funny you should mention that. Um, reprise the reprise. So, <laughs> so um, obviously the big appeal for me for this um is obviously Tim Minchin who yeah. I think is just he's a genius. Because you are like, a fan of Matilda. I think Matilda is very clever. It's very yes. very witty, and he's he's just but he's so funny anyway. Like even his own songs in his own like comedy career, he's just a very funny guy. And very, very witty. And the lyrics, again, like with Matilda, the lyrics are very, very clever, very intricate. You know, really, you're kind of like, how did you come up with this? Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was the appeal for me in terms of like, you know, kind of the opening number, uh, There Will Be Sun. It's a really kind of like a lovely kind of small, quiet kind of, has it kind of a come from away before, yeah. before come from away. <laughs> it was a yeah. thing kind of feel to it, you know. It's countless. Um, <laughs> hot take hot come take. from away hot take they robbed it might be brilliant <laughs> but they robbed it but then the other oh, kind of that's kind of like the beginning of it and then it goes into a song called day one which gets repeated as day two day three you know okay a and bit like merrily we roll along maybe sondheim would have been a good choice for this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah um but then kind of uh other kind of standard ones is also um if i had my time again uh seeing you they're other kind of lovely songs for yeah. you too Peruse but I mean obviously the big the big take would be obviously the lyrics you know they're they're yes. really good but it's it's a lovely album very easy to listen to and yeah I hope that you really enjoy it Adam please pick me <laughs> I mean they definitely stuck two very contrasting pieces a lot more promising than the last two I must say so <laughs> I'm actually tempted to award no points for for last episode but I'm yeah, not gonna I'd, do that I'd go along with that <laughs> no, I wouldn't go along with that. I think that's, I think that's like it's it's only it's only relative. It's only better or worse. It's yeah. not it's not, <laughs> it's good, not it's good per good. se. You know that's not that's not how we do things on the oddcast. It's it. like um, we actually never foresaw that at the beginning. We never thought that we, we never foresaw something you would hate both of them. Yeah, we never saw that coming. Yeah. Oh well. I mean, look, it's no accounting for taste. You didn't enjoy our picks. I trust you less for it. But we'll just move <laughs> past that and. I, I think you can redeem yourself on this one, Adam. Hmm. I think I you can redeem you. yourself on this one. I believe, I believe in you. Yeah. I believe yeah. in you. And back to normality. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, that's it for today's show. Thank you very much for listening. If you want to get in touch with us, please email us at theoddcast at oddtheatre.com or get in touch with us on Instagram or Facebook at the Oddcast by Odd Theatre. Also, don't forget to pick up your tickets for this year's online Ames Awards. You can do that by going to greatevents.ie, that's great with an eight, forward slash Ames Awards, and you can grab yours there until the next time. Stay safe, guy. Enjoy. Enjoy.